clarify for those online, they're non-alcoholic drinks that we serve in the lobby. Um, just there's always somebody asking. So there you go. Um, the, the, the lemonade, doesn't, it's not mics. So anyway, uh, welcome back. We're going into the uh, part of the service. We're starting a new series today called We Love Albemarle. Can you say that with me? We Love Albemarle. Yeah, some of you are like, ah. <laughs> say it again with, with boldness. We love Albemarle. And if you're from Albemarle, you know it's pronounced Albemarle. It's not Albemarle. It's not Albemarle. It's, you know, when, when we moved back to the area, one of the things that people were asking us uh, was, where, where are you moving to? And we'd be like, Albemarle. And they'd be like, how do, how do you say that? How do you spell that? It's like Albuquerque, Albemarle, you know, just... And they, they, they just, and where is that? That's an actual place, you know. But uh, how many of y'all know that Albemarle's got, got kind of a reputation? Y'all know that, right? Albemarle's got a reputation. Uh, make, make it PG, but uh, shout out some of the reputations of Albemarle from me. Drugs first, right out the gate, drugs. Drugs. <laughs> Why are we laughing? I don't know, it's tragic. Uh, in, any any more uh, uh, reputations that Albemarle has? Sorry? Yellow Jackets, is that what you said? Kelly Pickler? <laughs> oh, man, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. I thought y'all were going to be like, farming and, you know, nice people and a place to love, a place to live, or whatever that sign says, you know. Uh, roundabouts that nobody likes, you know, stuff like that. And y'all are like, drugs, Kelly Pickler, you know, in that or in that order. Man, man. But it's true, ain't it? It's true. I mean, we, you don't, we don't talk about it a whole lot, especially in our churches, but man, there is a drug problem in our county. There's a drug problem in our city. There's, there's, there's some like, really haunting stuff and I, I want to tell you something when when people think of Albemarle when when you think of our church in Albemarle I really want us to have a reputation as a church I want that reputation to be that we're a church that loves Albemarle we're, we're a church that loves the people that we are we love the people all around this this city and this county there's not, there's not one person that God doesn't love. And I want us to be a church that has a reputation of, yeah, there's problems, but man, we love those people with problems. Not only that, we are also people with problems. Because sitting here in this, in this room today are, are, are former drug addicts. Sitting here in this room today are people who still struggle with drugs. And as we kind of talk about it and we kind of laugh about it a little nervously, it's, like there's still there's people here today that are struggling with porn, that are struggling with addiction, that are struggling with family issues and court cases and and, and, and lots of different things. And we're not just a church that kind of looks out on the cities and says we're praying for you. We're a church filled with people that are fully convinced of how much we need Jesus and how much. We need to give this love of Jesus away because there's not a person in this county that God doesn't love. So over the next several weeks in this series, we're going to keep coming back to this, that what kind of a church are we? We are a church that loves 
Albemarle. Can you, can you say that with me? We are a church that loves Albemarle. And if you don't know how to pronounce Albemarle, you will by the end of this series. John 4, verse 35 is our text for the sermon today. And as you're turning in your Bibles or thumbing on your phone to the right place, it'll come up on the screen too. I just want to just quickly say how glad I am to be back. I've been away. For those of you that, that call us home, all thanks. That's My mom paid y'all. So, um, yeah, not enough of them apparently. But, um, yeah, I've been away and, and studying and doing some things, and, and y'all have been gracious, and we've had some fantastic uh, Pastor Bo and Pastor David and Shauna has been preaching, and, and um, man, God, God's just working through you. And I felt your prayers, and I appreciate that. And um, I, I come back to you with, with a, probably more passion for the, the hope of the church than I had when I left. Um, because, man, when you see it working and you see the people of Jesus worldwide, it's so inspiring. Um, it can feel like we live in such a small place here in Albemarle, but it's a part of a big, big story, y'all. John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus is saying these words. He says, you know the saying, and if you're from Albemarle, you kind of know this deep in your heart because... There, there are fields everywhere that are ripe for harvest. Uh, right now it's, it, it's wheat and maybe some soybeans that are being planted and some corn and cotton. Jesus says this, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up. Say, wake up. Wake up. Look at the person beside you and say, wake up. Wake up. If they're asleep, give them an elbow to the ribs. Some of y'all did that to people who weren't asleep. We'll talk about that later. There's forgiveness. Jesus says, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. Let me give you a little context for this. There's a story behind the verse, right? There's always a story behind the verse. This is a passage of scripture. There's this whole story in John chapter 4 where Jesus is on a road trip. They're, him and his disciples have to go to Galilee. The Pharisees, the religious law people, they know that Jesus' numbers are growing. John the Baptist's disciples are starting to become Jesus' disciples. There's some unrest happening. And Jesus is like, we got to go to Galilee. So they leave Judea, and they're going on foot to Galilee. In order to, in order to go there, they have to stop at a Bucky's, okay? They have to stop at in Samaria. They have to stop in a place where there's a lot of other people that aren't like them, kind of like Bucky's, you know, and, and they're going in, and, and they're, they got to stop there. Truth be told, it's not like Bucky's at all. It's actually a very um, scary place for Jews to go during that day because there was, can you believe this? There was hatred between groups of people, between the Jews and the Samaritans. And they stop there, and Jesus goes to this well, and he meets a woman who is not like him, different race. They actually uh, are supposed to hate each other. And there's this whole story. We're not going to get into this whole story today, but there's this whole story where Jesus asks for water, and they end up having this conversation about living, ongoing, eternal water, eternal life. And the disciples come back and they see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. And you've got to understand, in that day and time, in that context, that's a no-no. Jewish men don't talk to women unless it's their wives. You, you, think, you think that, like, your neighbor or your parents had, like, really prudish 
like like traditional you know customs. No, like if you were a Jewish man, you don't talk to other women unless it's your wife or your mama. Jesus is alone talking with this woman. And they come back and they're just kind of like. And the Bible says that they didn't dare ask him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, they just start saying, hey, we should go get something to eat. It literally says that. Master, you need to eat. And Jesus replies back with, I, I have food that you don't know anything about. Jesus knew their hearts. And what they ended up discussing, Jesus started making this eternal point about how the harvest is ready to be gathered. And he even goes on to say later, that there's a harvest for gathering that you didn't even plant. You did nothing to get this harvest. And he's saying that this Samaritan woman, these people in this town, they are part of God's kingdom, and that there's a bigger thing going on than him just having a conversation with this woman. And what does he say to them? What are those two words? Jesus looks at them and says, wake up. Say it again with me. Wake up. The normal rhythm for harvest was to plant, wait, harvest. And Jesus is saying the planting's done. There's no need to wait. The harvest is ready. Jesus just spoke to the Samaritan woman, and her life was changed. And the disciples were missing the point, kind of like they often did, kind of like we often do. They were missing the point. And Jesus says, wake up and look around. And I'm wondering if sometimes you might be like the disciples. And maybe you're far away from Jesus and, and you got drugged to church this morning or you just decided, I'm going to try it out again or whatever. But maybe you've been following Jesus for a while. And maybe you find yourself kind of like the disciples sometimes. There's something going on. missing because you've been going around in default mode you know what default mode is if you wonder what default mode is the best way to describe default mode is to when, when you're on the road and you're in, in, in your car look at the person in the car beside you don't make it weird but just like get a glimpse of them okay whatever they look like is their default mode here's what default mode looks like For some people, it's them singing Kelly Pickler at the stoplight, or T-Swizzle. Is that what she's called, T-Swizzle? Taylor Swift? Thank you. The kids aren't saying T-Swizzle these days, is that? Okay, I'll be more helpful. Life is busy, and we, we often operate in default mode. We're, we're just going from place to place, doing our thing, and when something gets in the way of that thing, we just get through it because Friday's coming, <laughs> summer's coming, school's out is coming. And going through default mode keeps us blind from seeing other perspectives most of the time because we, we, we go through life wearing these different kinds of glasses, wearing these different kinds of ways to look at the world. Some of us are going through life with a sleeping mask on. 
all the time. We have a conscious effort to just stay asleep, lay down, block out the world. I don't want to hear your cable news. I don't want to see your YouTube share. I don't care about the TikToks. I am just oblivious. I don't do the emails. I don't go to the Walmarts. I am just, I, I, I want to turn it all off. And I only want the things to come my way that I allow inside of the sleep mask. And some of the disciples were sleeping and they missed out on what Jesus was doing. And some of us walk through life with a different set of glasses. We, we walk through life with tunnel vision glasses. If I had a pair of glasses and I could put two big old toy, uh, paper towel rolls on them, it's kind of like that. Where we're just focused, and I think most of us kind of operate here. We're just focused on what we have to do and what's in front of us. And, and things can be going on all around us, but we're in a hurry, and everywhere we go we have a goal, and everybody's in my way. When we moved from Baltimore back to the Albemarle area, I learned a lesson very quick that you don't drive in Albemarle like you drive in Baltimore. You might get shot. In Baltimore, it was very common for when the light to turn green, if that car in front of me wasn't already going by the time that light was green, you just beep the horn. Can I tell, Albemarle, I love you. But when the light turns green, we like to sit there and analyze if the light's really green for a minute. We just like to sit there. And after sitting there for a few seconds, we're like, yeah, all right, everybody in the car? Yeah, we're green? All right. And then it's not foot on the gas, it's foot off the brake, and we just start rolling. And then we slowly start going just like that. And that whole process that I just described was faster than what actually happens at the lights. I love you, Albemarle. I love you. But did you, like, coming from Baltimore, I would beat the horn. And sometimes I would just, like, beat the horn until they started going. I'd be like, eh. Did you know that's rude? It's rude. I, 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 people in Albemarle will flip you off for doing that. They didn't know I was a preacher. I didn't want to tell them that after I was rude to them. But I had one guy, one, like, like, we first moved back. He turned around and he started pointing his finger and yelling at me, and he was in a truck bigger than my car. And I was like, "Yes, sir, just please move," you know. But we we had we developed tunnel vision glasses of like everybody's in my way, and I'm guilty of this. Like I'll just be going from point A to point B sometimes, just doing my my day. And and some of y'all have said, "I saw you and waved at you, and you didn't wave back." Can I tell you why? Because I got tunnel vision, man. I'm like, I'm just, just doing my thing. And Albemarle has helped me slow down to look around a lot more. But sometimes we can get so focused in life and just doing our thing. And everybody's in my way of the thing that I'm doing. And some of the disciples had tunnel vision when it came to the Samaritan woman. What was their goal? They were on a road trip. You know what a road trip is, right? You get from point A to point B with the family as fast as humanly possible because it is just miserable being in that car for seven hours. So the GPS says it's going to be seven hours. You're going to do it in six, minutes, six hours and 50 minutes. Limit the stops, you know. These disciples had a competing goal. Get to Galilee. That was their, that was their goal. 
Some of us, we wear a sleeping mask. We just turn everybody else off. It doesn't bother us that the person in front of us at the light is just didn't going on green at first. We're like, whatever. I'll, okay. Some of us have tunnel vision glasses, and we really want to beat the horn, but we just hold it inside and we don't do it. But some of us, some of us have what I call comfortable glasses. We walk through life, and our goal is to always be comfortable. Man, I struggle with this one too. There was a movie that came out several years ago called The Bucket List. I don't know if you saw it or not. But in that movie, uh, one of the characters, he's laying on a bed, and he's wearing a pair of prism sunglasses. Uh, not sunglasses, but prism glasses. And it's where you can lay down and put these glasses on, and you can read a book just by holding it right here without having to sit up and look at it. You can put these glasses on and watch a movie while laying flat. Like if you're laying here and the TV is here, you can just lay down and you can put these. You know what I did? I went to Amazon and got me some of those bad boys. They exist. They're real. They're like 15 bucks, and they're totally worth it. Because you, you can lay in your recliner, you can lay in your bed, you can lay on the floor, and you can see anything that's going on on the TV. And all you got to do is this right here. Just lay there. Open your eyes. You can see everything. Like if I put a pair on right now, I'd see my shoes. They're beautiful. This is the one I think I struggle with probably more than the tunnel vision glasses. Because it's not... It, it's sometimes following Jesus is uncomfortable. Sometimes Jesus goes through Samaria and he pushes Pauls on the trip and he starts it's so so okay, he pushes Pauls, but he starts talking to a Samaritan woman, which is just not done. And then he spends more time there, and it makes me uncomfortable. Sometimes Jesus impresses something on my heart where I see the world in a different way. And if I'm going to really follow Jesus, it's going to mean that I've got to change my schedule or I've got to alter something or I've got to take my plan and give it up for his plan. And what I really want to do, what the hedonist in me really wants to do is to just put on the comfortable thing and do the same thing that I've always done. And Jesus is making a plea to his disciples He's making a plea to all of us. And he says, wake up. Wake up. Take off the default mode and put on some wake-up glasses. You know what? The only way you know that you're awake is, is, is if you wake up, is if you're intentional about it. Show of hands. There's no shame in this. Mine's already raised. How, how many of y'all pressed the snooze button recently? Come on. Come on. The rest of you, we don't like you. We don't like you. I'm a morning person. I still press the snooze button at least twice. I know that when the alarm goes off at 6, it will go off again at 6.09, and at 6.18, I need to get up because I need 42 minutes of unhurried time to get dressed, to get the kids dressed, and get them to school. I've got it down to a science. And those of you that are saying, how does he do that in 42 minutes? I tell you what, I'm pretty awesome. And I'm humble. So, we press the snooze button because the pillow just feels so good. 
because it's just, some of you are watching online, you're like, he's preaching right to me. I didn't get to church today. There's no shame and no guilt. I'm just glad that you're with us. But we press the snooze button. How do you know that you're putting on the wake-up glasses to see what Jesus is wanting you to see? It's only through intention. Like when you're being intentional about it, you know that you're doing it. Your default mode and my default mode is to put on the sleep mask or the tunnel vision or the comfortable ones. That's our default mode. We're going to always go to that. The only way we put on the wake-up glasses and see what Jesus is seeing is if we slow down and we take a look around and we wake up. That is the key. You don't, you don't, I don't care how long you've been following Jesus and how good your devotional life is. You default not to the wake-up glasses. Maybe you get better at it over time. But we default to the things that make us comfortable or more profitable or the things that separate us from others the most. Here's what wake-up glasses do when you start putting those on. You, you wake up to seeing people everywhere you go as being image bearers of God. God's given you a mission field. He's given you a purpose in life. When you put on these wake-up glasses, they wake you up to seeing people at your work and in your neighborhood as people with stories, people who need the same Jesus that you need. When you wake up, you realize that coming to church isn't just about coming to church and drinking the coffee or the lemonade and saying whether the service was good or not. It's not, it's, it's not about what you like and don't like. It's not for you anyway. Like you don't like the music. It's okay. It's not for you. It's for him. You don't like the way we express ourselves in worship. That's okay. It's not for you. It's for him. Coming to church isn't just coming to church. Being a part of the church of Jesus, when you put on wake-up glasses, you realize that Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so you look around and you start realizing that being a part of the church of Jesus is about pushing back the gates of hell in your community. And a Sunday worship service is about coming together with followers of Jesus and worshiping God very intentionally because, man, we spend a lot of time in our week giving obeisance and honor and time to all these other screens and things. That's what worship is about. When you wake up and you put these glasses on, you, you start opening up your heart to the people who are on the fringes, to seeing the world as God sees it, to seeing people in the line at the grocery store as image bearers of God. You may even wake up and notice the people drowning around you in sin or depression. You may wake up and ask God to lead you and show you and guide you, have his spirit work through you, because you know that you can't pull people out of their misery, but what you can do is you can be like Jesus. You can be with them. You can love them. You can show them the kingdom of God in the middle of the misery. None, none of us are very good messiahs, but we serve one. And I can just keep pointing you to this Jesus because no matter what you're going through, you need Jesus more than you need this pastor. Last night, we, uh, our family, we went to a movie and here in Albemarle at the good old Eastgate Cinemas. You been to Eastgate before? Back when I was growing up, uh, they didn't have, like, the stands 
whatever they got now with the more comfortable seats, we had just the seats bolted into the ground and the, the, the floor, I don't know what it was made of, but like you couldn't hardly get your foot up off the ground every time you took a step. And it went something like, <laughs> like every time you walked. It's way better now. But last night we were at this movie, me, my wife, my two kids, family night. We're in this movie, and, and I scout it. I, I'm a type of person. I scout, anybody scout out seats at the movie theater? Like, I want the best seat. I want to be in the middle. Am I the only one? Really? Okay, me and you. Me and you. We, we, me and you. We, we, we scout out the seats. I want to be in the middle. I, 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 like, up in the middle. I also want to, like, be able to see the whole screen. I want the audio. I'm just going to preach to you because they don't care. I want the audio to be right. I scout these things out, and I'm sitting in the middle. My family's all right here because they don't care. They think I'm weird. And behind us is a row of teenagers. And I sneezed before the movie started, and they all very loudly started saying, bless you. I was like, oh, that's really nice. Thank you. Like, I turned around. I was like, whole row of y'all. Thank you. From that moment on, I couldn't hear the movie. That was a clue. Not only that, not only was there talking and laughing and normal teenage things, I started feeling like it was raining at one point. That's Sprite, I think. And can I tell you what I wanted to do? I wanted to stand up, turn around, and make myself really large with the movie behind me as an ominous figure. And with all of the wrath of Mordor, I wanted to extinguish them all. But then I was like, you're a pastor. You can't do that. So then I came up with another plan. Stand up, make myself large, pray explosive diarrhea in all of their in tongues. <laughs> I didn't do any. I think at one point, I, 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 because I knew if I said anything, it would, it would just kind of get louder. I knew. But at one point, I did, I, my daughter tells me, or my son told me, that I turned on and went, shh, like that. <laughs> Ooh. And my kids complained about them, too. Like, afterwards, they were telling me about them. And I was like, okay, I'm not just the old guy. These, these youngins who are hip and with it, they felt the same way. And I just had this headline in my, in my, in my, my head that kept me in my seat and kept my mouth shut. Local pastor yells at prepubescent teens in public. You know, so, you know it's going to be a snap article on Facebook. You're all going to click it. People are going to go, I told you he was a bad pastor, you know. What I want. And I was, I was praying and thinking through this this morning. I was like, at no time last night did I consider image bearers of the most high God. <laughs> Not once. Not once. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult to like see the people around you as image bearers. But you know what? I do believe that if we take our frustrations and we take our things to God, he might just plant with us a holy curiosity and say, hey, I'm in you and you are there. What are you doing here? What's something that's going on? Is there a reason that you're here in this place? And I don't think that's licensed for me to get up and start 
you know, being all weird religious guy, handing out tracts at the movie theater. Don't do that. That's weird. But I do think that what God does through me is he shows grace. Because unsaved Nate, shoot, saved Nate has the fantasies of Mordor. (laughs) But without Jesus, man, I want to be really me. The good news about who Jesus is, is that we have that good news within us and we can give it away anytime. We have his good news in us and we can give it away anytime. And how do we walk through life and purposefully put on the wake up glasses? We have to do it with intention. I begin my day, most days, with open hands to God and a prayer. And there was a time in my life when I was struggling and I was very low and just praying with my hands open to God. And what is that prayer? God, everything I have is yours. They're not mine. My kids aren't mine. My wife ain't mine. You bless me with these things. This house ain't mine. Everything I have. And it, and it resets my perspective. I'm married to a woman who talks to people in the grocery store line. Not me. I'm the introvert. She talks to people. She makes meals for people when they're sick. And she writes cards to people late at night after she's gone through an exhausting day. And she, she's always got this list of things that she's doing for other people. She's looking for a way to lift people and encourage them. And she's always been like this. And after like 20-some years, it's had an effect on me. Because there was this one time I was in the grocery store line and I started talking to somebody else. I found myself looking for an opportunity to encourage someone. Because they were obviously struggling. And I have this silly thing I do when I, when I, when I talk to someone. I have this story in my head about what's going on in their life. It's really silly. But I'll create a story. If I have a server at a restaurant that's struggling and not doing a good job. And I know that doesn't happen here in Stanley County. I'll create, a, I'll create a story in my head. Maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe they have a backstory, And it's probably not their story, but it forces me to get out of my default way of seeing people and approaching grace. And I'm not perfect at this. And I find myself reaching for the tunnel vision glasses or for the comfortable prism glasses. I find myself reaching for those a lot of the times, but it's those times when I put on the wake-up glasses that I find myself open to other people. Think of what the thought bubbles may be over people's heads when you're in front of them in line. A lot of people around you are drowning. And they're in desperate need of good news. And if, if we're so caught up with our turning everybody off or with our goals or with being comfortable... All these people around us will just be in our way. Think of how you know a God who redeems and heals and sets people free. Think about the good news. People are longing for the good news all around us. And Jesus says to wake up and look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. Jesus says wake up. You you look around your church and you say things like, I wish more people came to church these days. It just wasn't like it was back in the day. What are you doing to wake up? What are you doing to occur? Not people just to come to church, although it's it's a lot more fun when y'all are here. It's a lot more exciting when we worship together. But 
what are you doing to wake others up to the ways of Jesus? Through your interactions with who you are. Later on in the scripture, Jesus said to his disciples, starting in verse 37, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. We need more volunteers for this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you a secret? We're never going to have enough volunteers. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what do you do? You pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into this field. In the NRSV, it says this, you're going to reap what you didn't sow. And that's a promise from God. That's harvest, and it's plentiful. And the only way to see the harvest is to put on the wake-up glasses. My question to you is, are you awake? Jesus loves Albemarle. Jesus loves Albemarle. We love Albemarle. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave you this command, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What will it look like when you're awake? What will it look like when you walk around and you wear these glasses? On, on somewhere on some social media stream or thumbing through videos, I came across one of those videos of, um, and you've probably seen these before, people who couldn't hear that were given a device and they heard for the first time. I came across this one and I absolutely love the facial expressions of this young lady. I want you to watch this because I think this is, a, this is an example of what it feels like to wake up and to see something you haven't seen before. Watch this. <laughs> it's like so There was a moment there. There was a moment there where where she kind of like, like, did you catch that moment? Like when it just how she started hearing things she'd never heard before. I think that's how people feel. I think that's how I felt when I heard the gospel. Really heard it. When I started walking. I think that's how I felt when I woke up. And there's times when I put on the wake-up glasses. And instead of looking at the world through the lens of, well, they're all going to hell anyway, 
or work, looking at the world through the lens of sin such a problem. Can I tell you something? We are more excited about where Jesus is redeeming than we are about what is dying. Or at least I am. Let me say it again. We are more excited. We are more interested. We are more focused on what Jesus is redeeming and saving than what sin is killing. Killing. Sin killed something? Absolutely. We serve a God who's more powerful than sin. Why are there so many of us so focused on the effects of sin? It doesn't save us. And walking away from sin doesn't save you. Walking towards Jesus saves you and he walks us away from sin. You try to walk away from sin on your own and think, see how it goes. It doesn't go well. You try getting out of addiction without Jesus. I'm not saying impossible. Impossible for me. We are more excited about where Jesus is leading us than we are of looking at how bad things are. Because here's what happens when you just look at how bad Albemarle is. You start believing the news. You start believing that there's no hope, that that the statistic is just going to keep going up and to the right on the drug addiction and overdose deaths. You start believing the news that that homes and lives, the divorce rate and the broken families are just going to keep fracturing and fracturing and fracturing. And can I tell you something? It's been fracturing for a long time and I've seen Jesus come around and heal and redeem. Time after time. What happens when we just keep our eyes focused in on tunnel vision on how bad things are is that we really start believing in that gospel. And it ain't no gospel. And if you haven't encouraged the life-changing message of Jesus and how much he loves you, if you've not shared that with somebody, what would it be like to hear that for the first time if you're drowning in sin? To see for the first time, to hear the love of Jesus for the first time through you, through your story. What would it like be like to hear his love for the first time through you? you want to practice putting on those wake-up glasses, I want to encourage you to do a couple things. I want to encourage you at the start of your day, you can, you can do what I do or you can modify it, but I want to encourage you to stop before you start and to recognize that God is with you. If you're looking for ways that you can Here's what happens when you put on the wake-up glasses. When Jesus says wake up, here's what happens. It it changes things in your rhythm. So for those of you that like a plan and for it to be followed, you may get frustrated because the plan's going to change. Because what's going to happen is when you put on the wake-up glasses, you're going to be saying, okay, God, this is my calendar, and now it's your calendar, and I'm, oh, gosh, okay, let me have it back. (laughs) What's going to happen is he's going to start showing you you can bring the good news. One of the easiest things that I think you can do is to partner with us in an upcoming outreach. If you just want to put on the wake-up glasses, here's what I would challenge you with. Every, Every month we usually have like a donation bin out there that you can put something in. This month it's different. There's not a donation bin out there. We got the donations of Gatorade and stuff that we need. Thank you. Y'all are awesome.
also. To do this outreach right in this community, there's, there's two needs, people and funds for what we've got to do out there. So we have a $10,000 goal. So for those of you that give to Hope Fund all the time, keep giving. Thank you. Maybe you're new here and you don't really give that much. That's something you can give to. All you got to do is market for Hope Fund. But we also need people who serve. And we have a really easy way for you to do that. If you just get on the app and click on, we're going to be doing baptism barbecue the last night of kids camp. We're cooking all the barbecue and we're taking the pool out to the elementary school and we're going to have a barbecue party. We're going to baptize all the kids and all the adults and all the people who want to get baptized. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Some of y'all forgot what fun is. All you got to do is go on the app, fill out the volunteer thing. Say, okay. And you can choose what you want to do. There's setup, there's tear down, there's food service, there's there's things you can choose you want to do. It's like an hour, maybe two tops on each one of these jobs. But it's it's invading your schedule to help you put on the wake up glasses. That's all it is. So that's the need. And when is it? It's happening June 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, or maybe the 26th or the 28th. It's a Monday through a Wednesday. But that's how you sign up. That's what I encourage you to do. Now, can I pray for you? Would that be okay? Would you stand with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. There's several of us that are saying, God, I give you permission to wake me up. If that's you, hands out in front of you, palms facing up. God, I give you permission to wake me up. Speak to me. Give me your words. Help me take off the other glasses and put on the wake-up glasses so that I can see your world, your people, your kingdom the redeeming ways that you have for us. There's other people here today that say, Nate, I woke up. I need Jesus. I'm far away from Jesus. Will you pray for me? I will. If you're in need of following Jesus and praying that prayer, just, just get my attention. I'm looking over here at your left. Just say, Nate, pray for me. Raise your hand. Make eye contact with me. If that's you, I'll see you, man. Who else? Yeah? Looking across the room. Anybody else here on this left side? Nate, pray for me. I need I need to make things right with Jesus. Anybody else? How about over here to my your right? Anybody over here? Nate, pray for me. God's waking me up. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else over here? How about over here on this far side? Anybody? Nate, God's waking me up. I need to follow Jesus. I need to make things right. I see you. Thank you. Thanks for raising your hand. Anybody else? All right, all across the room, let's pray with these four people out loud. Dear Jesus, you saved me. I believe it. You died. I believe it. You rose from the grave. Oh, I believe it. You are my Savior. I believe it. Wake me up, God, to follow you to serve you, to walk in your love, and to give it away all the time. In Jesus' name. Hey, can we clap and celebrate for the four people that made that decision today? Yeah.